0: This is The Drive with Larry Hardesty podcast on 98.7
1: ESPN. Everybody on? Good. Great. Wonderful. This is The Drive with Larry
2: Hardesty. No yelling on the bus! There was no yelling on the bus. A lot of shaking their heads. A lot of... And some celebration that officially it's over for both local football teams. Welcome to the drive on 987 ESPN. Hardesty till midnight. Jake the Snake along the way. one 80 8919 3776 Also via Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPNNY 98 underscore 7FM. Of course, we'll talk about the Jets and Giants. I'm about to do that right now. And we're going to try to gaze into the future. 10 o'clock, we're we'll here from our own Jordan Ronon. He will join us and give you his thoughts on what the Giants will do. At 10:30, we'll hear from Rich Samini, who'll give you his thoughts on what the Jets will do. Of course, we'll keep you updated on the Sunday night football game between the Chargers and the Raiders. The winner, winner, winner is going forward to the postseason. The loser goes home. And this has been an interesting game. The Raiders had the early lead, 10 zip. Chargers come right back. Boom, boom, boom. A couple of touchdowns. They have a 14-10 lead as we approach halftime. 56 seconds left there, but the Raiders are on the march, so we'll see if they come back and, uh, you know, get back the lead or get closer in the game. So we'll keep an eye on that for you as well. Also, a little later in the show, we'll talk a little bit about the return of Klay Thompson. Uh-oh. <laughs> as if the Warriors needed help, right? Yes, Clay Thompson is back. He's on the floor tonight in Golden State. And earlier today... Nets with an overtime win over the Spurs. Spurs play the Knicks tomorrow night. Oh, did the Knicks lay an egg in Boston. So we got a lot to do before we leave you at midnight here on 98.7 ESPN. First of all, let's start with the Giants. So this was a weird type game, right? Because you knew Washington came in with a little edge. Aside from it being a divisional game, Where, you know, you don't like each other. And neither team's going anywhere. We understand that. But still, you know, with the comments Joe Judge made, he, you know, he walked it back. I didn't, I wasn't talking about anybody specifically, blah, 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 just making general statements. But clearly, since the fight on the sidelines for Washington took place, Christmas Eve, was it? I'm sure everybody saw it. So needless to say, we knew who he was talking about. So you knew that that was bulletin board material for Washington, and you knew that they were coming in with a little bit more of a draw being a little tighter than normally. But once again, you give the Giant defense some credit because they played well enough for the Giants to win this game. Okay, one of the touchdowns was given up on an interception pick six. So, early on, they were playing lights out, but it wasn't, but once again, the giant offense just couldn't do anything. And listen, it's one of the things we're going to talk to Jordan about is you look at you look at the quarterback situation with the Giants. I mean, Jake Fromm, all you need to know is that on two plays. Deep in their own end zone, deep in their territory, they did a quarter. They did a quarterback sneak on third and nine, and Joe Judd said after the game because I didn't want you know I didn't want to get think there'd be a turnover in a, a game like that. We're still in the game, so what he tried to do was just give them room to punt, and give the, you know a short field, and try to get his defense because they played well to do what they did, and that was you know eliminate Washington, and not get them to score, or limited their scoring, and so that turned out, but just their inability to have any kind of offensive threat has just been awful over the past couple of weeks without Daniel Jones. But the scary thing about it is, and yeah, we know it's not, it hasn't been this bad, but the scary thing about it is the Giants haven't exactly been lighting up the scoreboard even with Daniel Jones this year or last year, right? So once again, you're looking and you're just trying to figure out why can't this team get anything done offensively? I mean, Darius Slayton had a touchdown today, which was good. Two receptions, 29 yards. Uh, Saquon Barkley, 11 yard 11 carries, 30 yards. Jake Fromm was the lead. Jake Fromm was the leading rusher. Uh, he had he got 27 on one play alone. So, listen, the Giants today. Was typical Giants, and so if you're a Giant fan, what you're trying to figure out is, what is this team going to do going forward, right? You you didn't care about this game today, <laughs> you weren't worried about it. Win or lose, you just want to know. Thank God the season is over officially. Let's get to the postseason. Let's get to the off season, and let's see what this team is going to do. And obviously, the number one thing, and we're not talking about personnel changes. As far as front office, we're not talking about GM changes yet. We're not talking about head coaching changes. We're not talking about that. But one of the changes that has to be made is something has got to be done with this offense. There has to be a new offensive coordinator. There's got to be. This has to change. Because right now, this team is not. Even before the injuries, this team does not give you a threat that they can march up and down the field and put points on the board. And what it has done. And the Jets are kind of in this situation is it has put a tremendous burden on their defense. Their defense is on the field a lot, a lot because it's a bunch of three and outs and they're not even getting a couple of first downs on some occasions. They're not getting any first downs. So the defense comes right back on the field. They said, it comes right back on the field and, Considering that scenario, I think Patrick Graham's defense has done a pretty good job. Pretty good job. Because they, they they've got to average what? Two thirds of the time on the field? Two thirds of that time is them. They, they, they probably average, I would say, thirty minutes a game on the field. Clearly, I think they do, at least, if not more. Because the offense is just so inept and has been so. So they really have to look and, and understand what they're going to do with their, with who the offensive coordinator is going to be and what kind of offense they're going to run. But the offense that they've run over the past two years, it's just not getting it done. It just isn't. And it's bad overall. It's worse in the red zone. I mean, their red zone offense is non-existent. And that's why you brought Kenny Gall- Galladay here, right? Because even though there's there's debate, some people say he gets separation, some people say he doesn't get separation consistently from his defenders, the one thing you do know is you could play jump ball with him in the red zone and he could make some plays. And when he was when he was eligible to play, they couldn't find him. They couldn't get him the football. Couldn't get him the football. That's something that's got to change, obviously. And listen, they need some more talent. They do. The offensive line, they need a bunch of different things. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Hardest detail midnight. Oh, we got a good one. Vegas, as I told you, they were marching back, right? They now lead 17-14. 19 seconds left before halftime, but... uh, Guess what? The Chargers have a shot. They do. They've got a shot to get back in this. They got a shot to put up a score here before the uh, halftime comes about. So we'll see what happens. I, you know what? Uh, Snake and I were talking about who's going to win this because the winner, unless there is a tie, which Ben Roethlisberger would just go crazy in Pittsburgh because that means they won't be in. But whoever loses this game goes home and. The Steelers will drive to the postseason. But, you know, Vegas has gone through so much this year with Coach and Gruden and injuries and everything. I mean, Waller's been missed. I mean, Waller is essential for their offense. Okay, and he's been out, and they're right here. And then you look at the Chargers, and I'm just a Justin Herbert fan. I love watching this kid play. Second year, he's got so much poise. He's got a great arm. Uh, He just, he could throw the ball all over the yard. I I just really, I really enjoy watching him play. So uh, this is going to be an interesting game as uh, the Chargers are punting the ball away. Let's see if we can get in a couple of phone calls before we have some guests join us here on the drive. Let's go to Frank and Astoria. Hey, Frank, you're up first on the drive.
1: Yes, uh, hi. Um, You know, I just want to say, uh, for the most part, the Jets had a very good season in the way they made adjustments to their entire team, the defense, the offense uh, and the Jets uh, head coach Robert Sala was very instrumental in making things turn around for the Jets, even though I believe that most fans are critical of the fact that uh, they uh, have had losing seasons year after year. I think these things happen, not for certain reasons, but for the better of, of, for the most part, for the better of uh, a team. If you want a team to succeed and you want it to play a, a a game that works for all fans and that helps most fans understand the, the meaning of football and uh, what football can bring to your home, I think that the best thing is to have a lot of patience. Uh, and I would just want to say, uh, on my part, on the part of the new mayor, my friend Andrew Jarvick, I would just like to wish Robert Sala very good luck in the next season, and I thank him for getting the Jets out of a jam and moving us forward as a entire team and coaching staff.
2: All right, Frank, thanks for the phone call. I will say this. I think that Robert Sala has done a decent job this year. I think he has grown into the job. And listen, it's different, okay, when you're the head guy. Okay, when you're the coordinator, you've got one side of the football you worry about. All right? When you worry about the team, that's a whole different thing. Whole different thing. And there's some things I know that he learned about himself and that he learned about this team. And you listen to his post-game presser that you heard right here on 98.7 ESPN. And you'll hear him again tomorrow on the Michael Kay show. Uh, and what I liked was him saying that, you know, coaches have to do some work too. And they do. Because, yeah, they, they, they showed you something. But let's be fair. There were so many games this year where they were just awful. They were awful. They didn't look prepared. They made dumb mistakes. Yes, I get they're a young team. Yes, I get they had a lot of injuries. Yes, I get that they had some issues as far as personnel is concerned because of injury. But still, they, like he said in the postgame, they got a long way to go to be – a very good team to match up with the rest of the teams in their division. They got a long way to go. And, um, we kind of saw that today, right? Defensively, they did not play bad. Listen, I give them a lot of credit for three quarters. Yes. And yes, the bills were not on top of their game. They had a lot of missteps and everything, but still I give the jet defense a lot of credit because much like what I said about the giants, they wanted the field a lot. I mean, a lot I mean, all you have to know about how – they had, what, 82 yards total? Offense, 82? 82? They were one of one of 16 on third down? Oh. And that means that defense was out there, grinding all the time, being physical, being physical. I give them a lot of credit. I do. I give them a lot of credit. I give them a lot of credit for hanging in there. And eventually, listen – the better team makes plays and you get weaker out there trying to pressure the passer as you did. And you just, if you were a jet fan, you're sitting there and you're saying, could we just get like a couple of plays? Could we just get, could we just get a drive going? And Buffalo knew what happened. Buffalo came in, took the run game away from you right away, forced you into making your young quarterback pass the ball to beat them. And they gave him different looks. And he couldn't do it. And by his own admission, he needed to have thrown the ball away on a couple of occasions. And I get that. And that is, it's so funny. Because that's the one thing when you, and I've spoken to a lot of young quarterbacks, that's the one thing they tell you that they battle. And that's why you hope the experience will teach him. And it sounds like he learned today, which is something that I'm sure they've been telling him over and over and over again. But you have to learn it for yourself. And you have to see it for yourself. And there's always that there's always that voice in the young quarterback's head that said, I can make this play. I just need a little bit more time. I can make this play. And most of the time you can't. <laughs> Once in a while you can. Most of the time you can't. And you have to realize where you are on the field. To make that determination, right? If you're deep in your territory, no, you can't make that play. No, you throw the ball away. Your defense is playing well. You kick it and let's go. Now, once again, give him credit. He hasn't had any turnovers in what? Four games, five games. He's done a nice job. He's cut down on the turnovers. That's a good thing. And so you want his awareness. You want him to learn. You want him to understand. And these are the things that you're happy to hear that he gets. Now, If you're a Jets fan, you would have liked for him to have gotten this, oh, maybe 10 games ago. (laughs) That would have been nice because at least you would have been competitive in some of these games. But I will say this, and today was kind of a – it's tough. It's kind of a setback in the way – as to the way he played last week. But once again, I mean, how do you grade him? He he had none of his top – he didn't have his top four receivers. Okay, so he's throwing the people that just got made the practice squad, just got signed on the team. So they don't know the offense. So it's a struggle. It was a struggle for him today. It was. But he'll learn to throw the ball away. He threw it away. It's just all that movement and and motion and everything. Look, your first read's there, not there. Your second read's not there. The third read's not there. Throw it away. He almost cost the field goal even more. Pinheiro was able to hit that. That was a 51-yarder. That that was probably would have been a 39-yarder before he started running around. So these are the things that he's got to learn, and these are the things that you hope that he understands. And when he looks at the video over the summer, over the offseason, and he gets it and he understands what he has to do and he learns and sees different things, that's where you hope he's able to take that next step. And that's where you hope that when he comes back and is ready for mini camp and training camp and all the other stuff, okay, that you see growth in his decision-making because that's what he can control, right? When you talk about what quarterbacks control, he can control what decisions he make. He may not control who's on the field, but he can control the decisions and the best way to get whomever it is, the football. When we return, we'll turn our attention to the New York football giants. We'll hear from our Jordan Renan. That's next. You're listening to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN.
0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
2: 1-800-919-3776. Here till midnight. Okay, so you guys know whenever I have issues and questions about the New York Football Giants, like in the series Batman, like they put the the go the, the commissioner goes to the roof, has the bat beam, you know, put the the light with the uh, bat signal on there. I go to my roof and I put the the red JR for Jordan Run on, and. He's always here, and he always has the answers about the New York football Giants. Hi, Jordan. How are you? I like it. There you go.
3: I'm doing all right. You know, I'm uh, I'm excited that uh, I don't have to watch <laughs> another full game of that team in offense. And you know what? I've been speaking to people in the organization today. They are, too. Like, you know, nobody, nobody, wanted to, nobody wants to sit there and have to watch that start to finish. It's cr- cruel and unusual punishment at this point
2: it was bad and i think all you had to know about how bad that offense was was and i heard joe judges you know explanation in the post game but a quarterback sneak on third and nine
3: yeah i mean that's all you need to know <laughs> yeah it is it is all you need to know and look the, you know what you know it is even worse about it i don't even think that it's necessarily the wrong thing to do there mhm like you know like with what they were capable of doing, with what and as JoJo said, like you know, he didn't want it to happen. What happened last week? They were in the same spot basically. They ended up taking a safety because like you knew they couldn't move the ball, they couldn't throw it. Like they literally threw it. I think when you when you look at the totality of that little series, you have to look at the first play, and put and factor that into the equation. So they call like the perfect play from the you know one one two yard line. They get the quarterback the easiest little you know three-yard pass to the flat to a wide-open guy off play action, you know, should be like an eight, nine-yard gain. At least you, you move out and you're not stuck near the end zone. And he bounces the ball. So, at that point, you're like, well, what? you know, we can't possibly call a pass play here that's going to be successful, right? Like, that was as easy as you get. Like, what, what, what else can you do? So, I mean, they weren't – their range of outcomes were that poor that you look at and you say, hey, you know what? probably isn't the, the wrong thing to do with this group. And that by itself is an indictment of, unto, it, uh, unto itself.
2: So, Jordan, we got a ton of things to talk about and I'm going to ask you to take okay. the crystal ball out and dust it off because we, we got some issues here. First of all, got it. all right. obviously, <laughs> Dave Gettleman, um, the fact that you had Fromm and uh, Glennon as your backup says all you need to know about Situations, especially when you've had the quarterback. Let's face it, Jordan, that hasn't exactly been a durable guy. So uh, you, you
3: you didn't mention the four, the three or four replacement level offensive linemen that
2: were blocking. I did not. Just only adds an to the problems. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, we keep hearing these things. What do you think? Is he back? Is he not back? What, what, what's the deal that nah, you're hearing with Dave, Gettleman?
3: Dave Gettleman. Dave gettleman's gonna. You know be retired, uh and that's gonna happen the beginning of this week. That seems like uh you know if you watch today, you saw Dave Gettleman out there with his family, he basically got like his last hurrah, which I know definitely irks plenty of people. I've had plenty of people tell me you know it makes them pretty nauseous to see this guy like basically getting uh you know a nice retirement as if he did you know, great things for the organization, which maybe he did, but that was a long time ago at this point. It certainly wasn't as general manager. Uh, history will end up showing he's been one of the worst general managers in, uh, rec- you know, in recent history. He's he's up there with a 19 and 46 record. The results, oh. you know, speak for themselves. So, yeah, they will make a change of general manager. That's going to happen.
2: Coach is a little different, huh? How do we how do and I hate to use but how do we assess the the good and bad of Joe Judge? I mean, on the one side, we can say he's had a ton of injuries, he's had COVID to deal with, Uh you know, his quarter, starting quarterback has not been healthy for the two years he's been here, and on the other side, we will say, well, other people have had injuries and they've been able to work things out. Yeah, the talent pool may be a little different, so. You know, what What do you see and what do you think is the is going to be the Mara and Tish decision on Joe Judge?
3: It's going to come down to how much they felt embarrassed these last few weeks by the 11-minute rant, by the uh, kneeling, up, you know, running QB sneaks from, you know, in, in the run of play <laughs> on third and long, like uh, from their fan base basically not showing up to today's game because, Look, they were fully intending, fully intending on bringing him back, you know, as of a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but we've seen this is sort of the Giants' mo, right? I mean, this is why you say never say never in the last couple of years. This is their mo. This is how they operate as a franchise lately. They have a front office that has been providing insufficient talent. You get a, a, a coaching staff who. Imagine this, all these these coaches they keep running through, they all can't coach. What a coincidence, right? I mean, how does this happen? James Betcher, who was successful before as a defensive coordinator. Jason Garrett who's been successful, whatever we want to say about him, as an offensive coordinator and a head coach. Joe Judge, who had a pretty nice resume coming in. I mean, we could just keep going. Pat Shermer, who was a good offensive coordinator, and all these guys, all of a sudden, they forget how to coach. They're all bad coaches. uh, But this year was a disaster for Joe Judge but they intended to bring him back until the last few weeks. Mm. Have, you know The outrage, you know, th- doesn't this sound familiar, Byron? Yeah. It sounds like the last two years and the two years before that. And then the outrage sets in and everybody sets their sight on someone and they pick apart everything the coach says and it irks them to the point where no matter what he does, it's wrong, it's terrible, he's pathetic. I mean, let's be quite honest. Bill Walsh couldn't take that offensive unit that they were putting out on the field these last few weeks and make them competent. And I mean, Joe Judge, they all knew it. Everybody in the organization knew it. This offense was incapable of being competent, of being functioning, a functioning offense. So uh, Joe Judge is now in trouble. We'll see what happens. Usually they have a meeting with ownership the day after, uh, at least uh, some kind of conversation. And we'll see how that shakes out, but I think his future is now in doubt for sure.
2: So he's actually talked and his way of out of the out job. Yeah, a lot
3: of people in the organization think the same thing. Yeah, he's,
2: he's talked, talked his way out, right of, the out
3: of the job.
4: Yeah, I mean,
2: yeah. listen, awesome. you got Nothing you got to know you got to know your bosses, and you know how the Maras are. They, that's not how they roll. <laughs> you know? and what's really surprising to me, Jordan, is for him to come from the Belichick tree. That's not how Belichick rolls either.
3: Yeah, he just got worked up last week, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know. It, it cost him. Uh, I mean, it, it definitely, I mean, we'll see if it cost him. I shouldn't say that. Uh, but it definitely, you know, tilted the scale a little bit. It was it was severely in his favor. It maybe moved it back to, to neutral, and that's kind of where we're standing now, I think, as we sit here.
2: But, Jordan, in the greater scheme of things, wouldn't it have been in their best interest if, indeed, Gellerman is done and you're bringing in a new GM to let the new GM pick his own? head coach. I mean, you know, they share the building with a team that they tried to do that and it didn't really work out that well.
3: It's funny because I was looking back at old quotes and I was looking at John Mara from several years ago and you know what his comment was? I mean, I don't have it right in front of me at the moment, but I'm paraphrasing a little bit. It was something along the lines of you absolutely would prefer to have the general manager. The preference would be to have the general manager in place before the head coach, and then yeah. the head coach. And then, you know, the general manager would help hire the head coach. But the way the Giants have operated is their ownership here has done the hiring of the head coach. The general manager has had input, but it's been Mara and, and Tish who have hired the head coach. So that's a big thing. They, The Giants organization has long believed in separating church and state, and there was a quote I found about that, too around the same time, where John Mara said, you know, coaching on personnel, he'd like to keep them separate. Well, guess what? That's not how it works around the league anymore. They need to merge those two units and make them one, uh, and that has been a big problem, obviously, in recent years. As you keep seeing, all these coaches keep getting fired, keep getting fired every two years.
2: You know the voice. It's Jordan on. He covers the Giants for us on ESPN.com. He's joining me on the drive here on 98.7 ESPN. So, Jordan, what is the feeling in the building on uh, Daniel Jones? A, there's got to be concern that his neck heals. I mean, that's a serious injury. That's A. And B, obviously he's coming back, but how sure are they that he's their guy?
3: Okay. On the first part, that's not at the top of the list of concerns the neck. Uh, It's believed he's going to be fine. There's really not a lot of long-term, like serious long-term concern on that. That like you know if they were even in playoff hunt you might have seen him back like it's you know you know what I mean like mm-hmm. it was it was like that so I don't think it's a, a that's a huge thing right now of course the neck you always have to be careful one hit you never know how it pans out I think that's why he was out longer than they were hoping like you, you got to play you got to play it safe right so that will put away for a second now what they are concerned about though is that this has now been three years with injuries in each of the three seasons. So the fact that he's now proven to be injury-prone, whether it's his fault or not, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, not not a knock against Daniel Jones personally, but the reality is he's missed games in three consecutive years. So now you have a, a guy who they do believe, they think he could be a, a good quality starting quarterback in this league. And I kind of agree. I mean, you put the right team around him. I don't know. Clearly he's, I don't think you know, any ideas of grandeur that he's uh, a superstar but i think he's a quality starting quarterback in the league with a good team around him and i think the giants believe that as well so they believe in him to some degree but they're worried about the fact that he has been injured in three straight years so we're, the best case scenario you bring him back you need another quarterback alongside him as insurance like a real quarterback
2: yeah, absolutely. There's no question about that because you can't you can't think that he's going to be healthy because he hasn't been. So you have to plan on that. Which is why you look right. and wonder why and, you had the quarterback she had game. this year.
3: Yeah, that was uh, obviously a a big uh misjudgment. And I'm you wonder who's fully responsible for the fact that they nickel and dimed and played games with Colt McCoy. And didn't really want to pay him, and Paul McCoy didn't ultimately end up getting paid by anyone. But didn't want to give him more money than he was making the year before, and this and that. And guess what? They end up with Mike Glennon instead. He's cheaper, and boy, was that a, a, a big, you know, mistake
2: right there. Talk about you get what you pay for.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely.
3: Thought you could just get a backup quarterback on like a cheap, basically veteran minimum
2: deal. Well, that's the. <laughs> That's the quality backup quarterback you got. It's unbelievable. Last thing, Jordan. Uh, the biggest personnel-wise, and we know the Giants have a number of issues, but the biggest adjustment that you see needs to be taken care of for this Giants team. I mean, I know there's a bunch, but what? give me the top two in order, number one and number two, for them to All turn right, things I think around.
3: Very, I think it's very clear, one and two. You can put them in whatever order you want. Offensive line needs to be solidified. I mean, it is ridiculous. This is year eight of the offensive line rebuild. We just finished. Year eight. Okay? And, Larry, I could say this with certainty, with confidence. This was the worst offensive line that they had this year, late this year, at the end of this year, that they've had during this time. That's the level that they were at. Oh. And they need four new, four new starters, and I'm counting – the spots where we don't know what's going on with Nick Gates coming back except for a serious injury, and then Shane Lemieux missed the whole year and we didn't know really what he was anyway. So they have four starting spots to fill, whether those guys fill him or not. And number two is, they were decent defensively, but without real edge rushers and more more pass rush, every time they needed a stop for real, they couldn't get a stop. You need a high-end, top-end, Pass rusher, edge rusher, and without it, there's like every good team has basically a star pass rusher, a 10 sack, 10, 12 sack guy. Some teams have 22 and a half sack guys for God's sake
4: nowadays.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. You know, <laughs> we're just looking for a 10 sack guy, Larry. Come on, that's half of a, half of a JJ Watt. We're looking for half of a JJ Watt. <laughs> that's it. And like until they have that, like they can't be a really good defense. They're kind of capped out. Until they have that. And you can't be a good offense in the NFL if you don't have a serviceable offensive line. You're right. That's it. It's that simple.
2: It's true. And then what hurts your defense is the fact that the offense is never on the field, so your defense is even back on the field even more. So, that, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, that kills I mean, you.
3: The poor defense never had a
2: chance.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> the offense gave the defense no chance. Literally, you know, they gave up one touchdown today, right? I think it was. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. two at the end. When they but like, and, you know, because they give up a, a pick six, I mean, You you just, I mean, they gave up one touchdown and and the game was over when they gave up the first touchdown in the fourth quarter. Like, how can you survive like that? Like, you say, okay, yeah, yeah, you can't give up a touchdown to win games. That's what they, that's what they were dealing with, and they're not a great unit. But, geez, give them a break a little bit.
2: Jordan, enjoy watching playoff football, but you know, keep your eyes on what's going on with the Giants, won't you?
3: Yeah, we're gonna have a busy early part of the week here, so keep your eyes open.
2: Well, listen. We'll be following you on dot com, so we we know where we we know you'll give us the information.
3: All right, I'm here anytime, Larry. You throw up that Jr. in the sky, okay? And I'll turn on my phone, you know, and I'll hop on right away, and be there for you.
2: I appreciate save you save the day. I appreciate you, superstar. <laughs> <laughs> Talk soon, my friend. <laughs> you too, man. All right, never mind. Bye, bye. Joy Ron joins us on ESPN dot com. When we return, we'll take a couple of calls and then. We'll get the Jets side of the story from Rich Cimini on 98.7 ESPN. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. So, Snake, I, I understand the thought process in the Chargers going forth on fourth down. It's that... Listen, if you want to make the postseason, then you go ahead, you get this. You you make this. You make this first. You get this first down here. But you got to get a better play call than that. Absolutely. Yeah,
5: done. I was just saying to you, and I know you love Herbert. And I do. For you to go for it on fourth down, and it's fourth and one. You give it to Eckler, who's not really a power back. Instead of letting your young quarterback kind of make the decision, definitely a bad play call. So they go for it on their own eighteen with eight minutes left in the third and they don't get it. So terrible play call and a huge decision because now, you know, the Raiders are now already in field goal range. So they're going to probably score here, you know, unless an interception or a fumble. So a bad call, and this is obviously a crucial game. And depending on who wins, you know, the playoffs can be completely shifted. You know, if the Raiders win this game, they're the five seed. And if they lose, they're completely out of the playoffs. So this game does have a lot of playoff implications.
2: It really does. It really does. And the uh, schedule is out. So we'll talk about that before the evening is out. Let's go to the phones. Buddha's in the Bronx. He's next on 98.7. Hey, Buddha.
5: Hey, Uncle's going on. I didn't know um, Caesar Silas' uh, brother had your phone number. <laughs> 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 <Duke was> your... <laughs> oh, man. He went from Caesar Silas to great to Eric Adams. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> let's, just, let's slow down just a bit. You know, four thirteen is four thirteen.
4: That's right. You
5: know what I'm saying? Oh man, I just—you know—the Jets—they need better players. The Giants need a new coach and better players. Just mercifully, this New York City tri-state area football has come to a head. Yeah, it's been a rough one, kid.
2: <laughs> it really has. It really has, bro. It's been oh, brutal. God. It's been brutal.
5: It's been bad. It's been real bad. It ain't been, it's been this bad for both teams. I don't even remember if it was ever like this. Like with both teams was just bad. Yeah. You know, consistently. Think, hopefully, next year is better.
2: You yeah. Know? Consistently, they've both been bad. <laughs> yeah. For
5: for a minute, I mean, the Jets won seven and nine. And there were ten and six that year that bowls, you know, uh-huh. the, when when you have the veteran players. But, you know, eight out of ten years they've had double digit losses. I mean the Jets haven't won a division game in I don't know how long. Oh
4: please. but
5: the Giants, ten oh, two years, years straight, you know, it's, it's, it's bad, man. It you
1: is.
5: know, um you know, you know, uh, it's been a tough year already, twenty twenty two to start out, man. I mean, Sydney Quartier, you know, yeah. that goes
1: beyond saying.
2: Absolutely. But then my
5: daughter was tapping me on. You know, I was stretched out on the couch. She tapped me, telling me my man Bob Sagitt died.
2: Passed away today. I'm
5: like, what? Yeah. You know, like, like, dude's like 65 years old, man. Like, mm-hmm. that's not supposed to be old like these days. Really? What the heck is going on, man? It, it's, you know? It's, just, it's disturbing. It's just day after day, you know? It is. It is. You know, but on a positive note, man, or well, two positive notes, the best things I saw today was, um, that video with Mike Tomlin in the locker room with his yeah. players. Yeah. Let me yeah. tell you something. I, I got to be real. I, you know, I got to keep it stack with you. You know, I feel like such a, a loser, and an idiot. And my father told me, you know, we, we were Steelers fans all day, every day in the seventies. You know, in South Bronx. You know what it was. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, the, I don't know why I dropped that team. You know, how many coaches they had in like the last forty-five years? Three, three yeah, coaches, yeah. maybe That's six it. quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, stability is, is stability is, is an MF. You know, and um, Mike Tomlin, you know, when you see what's going on with A.B., you realize really how much of a good coach he really was. Yep. And, you know, last thing I say last, um, one thing that really made me feel good today, you know, real good, you know, I turned on that NBA TV and I see my man Clay Thompson mm-hmm. back on that court, man. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of love for that dude, lad. That, that dude is like... You know, the ultimate team player. You know, I'm a good player, but in a, in a big game I could be a great player. I could be the most dominant player. What do you got? Thirty seven. What how many points he had in that four, in that third quarter of that game? I mean, listen, man. I I hope it all works out for him. I hope he doesn't get hurt again or whatever. But um, I got a lot of love and respect for that dude, man. You know, what, you know, what what a guy, what a player. I hope I hope all ends well for him. You know what I mean?
2: I do, Buddha. I really do. Thanks for the phone call. And just what it takes for the rehab to do that. And those moments where you think, you know, I don't know if I can get this done. I don't know. Am I really going to be able to get back? Am I really going to be able to make it? Am I really good? Am I going to be the player I was? Will I be able to make those cuts and, and abilities and the jumper? Will, will, will the jumper be that? Will I be able to be the player I was? You know, that's that's the question that you have when you have a. When you have an injury like that, and then they, and then to re-injure it, it is, it's just amazing. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a great feeling to see him back. But if you're the rest of the NBA, you're like, oh, <laughs> just what we need—the Warriors to get better, <laughs> right? And they're already pretty good this season. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. For those of you on hold, hang with me. We'll get to your calls in a minute. We're here till midnight. Right now, let's turn our attention to the New York Jets. And for that, we turn to the commander of the flight deck. He is Rich Cimini. He joins us here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Rich, how are you? Hey, Larry, how you doing? Long time no speak. It's been a while, my friend. How are you? Uh, You know, another season in the books
0: um done a few of these you know every season is different in its own way but uh you know now we look forward to a pretty eventful off season
2: Let's start there Rich for, for you what what this had to be one of the weirdest seasons for you uh that you've covered the team you've got the covid situation you've got virtual uh, again this year you've got rookie head coach rookie signal caller rookie quarterback uh, you you've got you know, almost like three different seasons <laughs> as far as the team is yeah. concerned. What was this like yeah. for you?
0: Uh, I, w- I would honestly say last year was tougher uh, with dealing with the uh, COVID and, and the restrictions in terms of media access and just the, uh, the the darkness of the last season under Adam Gase. There was no hope, and it was just dreary, and, and Gase himself, as, as fans know, did not bring a lot of energy his press dealings, uh, and so it was just that, that that felt like a death march the whole year. Uh, this year was a little bit different. I mean, it was obviously long because no one, in fans might not agree with this, but you know, as beat writers, we don't want to cover a team that loses 13 games. It's it's better for everyone when they're winning. So, in that sense, it was long, but you know, there were interesting storylines. Every time you have a rookie quarterback, that's always like a built-in story every week. Uh, a new coach. I thought Robert Sala was very uh, engaging with the media and kept things lively. Brought a lot of energy to our dealings with him, and so in that respect, it didn't feel nearly as dreary as last season was.
2: Right, well, that's good because um, it was it was bad last season, Rich. <laughs> it really was even well, on the outside. Let's be honest, the last
0: the last few years haven't been great. <laughs>
2: let's be honest. No, this is true. This is true. All right, Rich. How do we? How do we, uh, grade, uh, the young man, Zach Wilson? I mean, the last, I mean, obviously today you look at what he had to work with. I mean, he didn't have much to work with. Uh, how do, how do we grade him as we look at his totality of the season? Right. What, what's your feeling about him going forward?
0: He definitely got better towards the end. I mean, obviously today was a rough day. I mean, but when you're throwing, you know, when Denzel Mims is, is your number one receiver, uh, you know, he played the most snaps of any wide receiver today. And Tariq Black, who just got called up from the practice squad, you know, when you throw one of those guys and your left tackle can't block anybody, uh, you know, it's tough. It's tough on a young quarterback. So he was sacked nine times. Uh, and, you know, I give him credit for not turning it over. I mean, he went five straight games at the end of the year without an interception. So, but all, looking at the whole year, you know, I'd say it's like a C minus for for Zach Wilson, or maybe even a D plus. I mean, this was not a great rookie year. I mean, I think he showed he's got talent to play the position, but you know, that's not a newsflash. He was the second pick in the draft. You would expect him to have talent. I think he's got some growing to do in terms of his accuracy. I think he finished, I didn't even know, he was 57% going into this game. That's way too low to be an NFL quarterback, so he's got to improve in that area. I thought he improved as a game manager uh, for the most part over the last few weeks, although today I think he took a step back. Even he admitted after the game he, he made some poor decisions, especially taking that sack out of bounds, um, which almost knocked him out of field goal range. So he, he, for the most part, though, he improved as a game manager. I think he's... Uh, Made quicker decisions on the field toward the end of the year, which is good. But as a taken as a whole, uh, I think he did enough to make you feel good about the future, but he's going to have to accelerate his development next year for the Jets to win more football games.
2: Rich, I've said that based on his um, play this year, that he does not deserve to come in as the only guy that's going to play quarterback, that he should be tested. Now, I get that he's the second-round pick, and he's, it's his job. But I think he needs to be pushed. I think they need to bring a veteran in. Do you agree that they're going to bring a veteran in early this year? Would it be Flacco? Or are we going to have a Mike white Zach Wilson situation again next year?
0: You know, that's a really good question. It uh, would we'll certainly be asked of uh, Salah and Joe Douglas tomorrow. But uh, I would say, you know, I mean, look he's the quarterback going in. I mean, he's he's the unquestioned starting quarterback. He's the number two pick in the draft. Everything they're doing is built around him. And like I said, he did show progress toward the end of the year. So this is not an arrow is pointing down situation. Uh, I think it's, it's pointing up a little, not, not, not straight up, but you know, uh, sort of a 45 degree angle up. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, it's an interesting thought. I, I think, the sense I get all year is that they want Mike White to be their backup next year. Um, They really like him. You know, they're going to have to make a decision. He's a restricted free agent. They're going to have to tender him. Um, You know, I think it's about $3 million to tender him. Or do they go out and get a a Joe Flacco type, you know, to come in and be that veteran backup. I think that's one of the key questions. I would say they're probably leaning toward going with Mike White as the number two and, uh, and going that way. But uh, I think I, yeah, I think that's the way they'll probably
2: end up going. Rich Amini is mean, my guest. You're listening to The Drive here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Rich. Um, Joe Douglas has done I'll, – I'll say this last draft was really good, the way it looks right now. And, of course, Zach Wilson can just make it go over the top, clearly, if he develops as to what they think right. he could be. Last year was not so good. Uh, but the one thing that he's really had trouble with, and it's not totally his fault, but – his free agent signings have not worked out. I mean, the, the, all the free agents got hurt this year, uh, some of them underachieved. Yeah. I don't think Corey Davis was what they thought he was going to be. He's got $60 million about, I think, somewhere in that range for this year uh, to go free agent-wise. What should his focus be if you were in the room talking to him? Well, I
0: think they need to get some free agent help on defense, first of all. I mean, they finished 32nd in points allowed, and 32nd in yards allowed. It's the first time since 1975 that they finished last in either of those categories. And uh, so that's pretty stunning. And it's stunning that it's happened with a defensive-minded head coach. So clearly they need a lot of help on defense. They need it fast. And so that's why I think free agency is going to be an area where they look in, you know, to spend some money there. I don't think Joe Douglas is going to go out and pull a Bill Belichick like Belichick spent like a gazillion dollars last year in free agency. I don't think that that's his style. I think he'll go out and make two splurges like he did last year with Lawson and Davis, and I think that'll probably be it. And, you know, possibly three, but they're not going to go bananas like the Patriots did last year. It's just not their style. I mean, when you have nine draft picks and four of them in the first two rounds. That's going to be your primary source of talent, you know, bringing talent into the program. So, but I would say defense and free agency, and then maybe more, you know, and then more defense in the uh, in the draft.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Offensively, they got to upgrade that receiving core, don't they?
0: Yeah, Corey Davis was, uh, you know, of course he missed the second half of the year. He got injured. He was okay. I mean, he had a couple of good games. He dropped a lot of passes. He had six dropped passes, you know, which is a lot for a guy who played half the year. So I don't think he's a number one receiver. I didn't think so when they signed him. I think he's a solid number two. Uh, they're relying on a big jump next year for Elijah Moore. I think we all saw the talent. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we saw it as far back as minicamp. And then he was playing well and then he just couldn't stay healthy. You know, he had a he had a couple of leg injuries that he's gonna you know, he's gonna have to learn how to stay healthy, as do all these rookies. And uh so but he, he's definitely a foundational piece. Now what they do with the other spot is gonna be interesting. Uh I don't think Denzel Mims is gonna be back next year. I, I think his coaching staff has not embraced him. He had to play today because there was no one else. <laughs> if uh if they had anyone else I think out there, you know, they would have been playing ahead of Mims. So I think he'll be gone. Braxton Berrios is a free agent. I think they'd like to keep him. You know, they have to, I don't think they're going to overpay him. They're going to have to, you know, draw a line in the sand there. Probably looking at a pretty good contract for him. I mean, he's an exciting kickoff returner. He finished first in the league in kickoff returns. He really was a big part of the offense, and I think they missed him today, just, just even in the running game on some of the jet sweeps that he runs. So I think they'd like to have him back if they can get them at a good price, I think they'll draft a the receiver with one of those four top picks. If, if not in the first round, then one of those two second round picks, they have to bring in another receiver. Um, I don't know if they have a true number one, maybe Elijah Moore is, I don't know, but I think they have to make another investment at wide receiver.
2: I agree with you. Offensive line. What will they do? Well, the big question is Mackay Becton, and yeah. uh, you
0: know I, I don't think they're being uh, transparent with with some of the things going on with Becton. I mean, clearly this is more than just a, a medical issue. Uh, I mean, the guy had knee surgery; it wasn't major surgery, it was a cleanup, and they said six to eight weeks. And then, you know, sixteen weeks later, you know, he still never he never made it back. So, I don't think the medical staff goofed on that. I think they probably give an accurate assessment and for some reason he just didn't make it back. I, I don't know, they insist it's not conditioning. I, I think there's probably a number of factors that have gone into it. And to be quite honest, I, I don't think they were loving him before he got injured. So I want to hear what they have to say tomorrow on Makai Becton. They'll probably say they love him and everything like that. But, you know, the guy's missed a lot of games in his first two years and he plays a premium position. And you've got to have a dependable player at left tackle. You know, it can't be, oh, he's only playing three-quarters of the game, you know, which he did a lot last year as a rookie. They need a dependable guy there. And, you know, they are going to be some good tackles when they're picking fourth. You know, they have Mm -hmm. the fourth pick. Evan Neal might be there from uh, Alabama. Uh, The cross kid from Mississippi State might be there. Uh, So they'll have an opportunity to – Grab the left tackle if they want one. So they're going to have to make a decision quickly on on Denzel. I mean, uh, Mackay Beckton, and then the, the rest of the offensive line can fill in after that.
2: Uh, wild thought, Rich. Could could they move him to the other side? I think they could
0: move Beckton to right tackle. He did play a little right tackle at in college at Louisville. Uh, I, I think it's certainly a possibility. You know, if they were to draft Evan Neal, Neal has played left and right tackle in college. He's also played a little guard, but they are very, very happy with Elijah Vera Tucker at left guard. I don't think they're going to move him. I think they got a question at center. Um, Connor McGovern's under contract for one year, but you know, do they love, do they totally love him. And he played better this year than last year, but you know, I don't, I don't think he's an impact player, right guard. You know, they have. Question marks there. Uh, DuVernay Tardif is a free agent. Uh, we know Van Roten got benched. Uh, but, yeah, I could see Beckton moving to right tackle if they draft one of those stud left tackles or going, do, doing it the other way, keeping Beckton at le- left tackle mm-hmm. and drafting someone for right tackle. They have Fant, who I thought played really well this year. George Fant did a good job at left tackle, and um, you know they have him as well.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because that offensive line has got to be solidified, Rich, because, you know, with a young quarterback. And on the other side of it, Zach Wilson's got to learn to throw the ball away. So I think if you're a fan, you were encouraged to hear him acknowledge what I'm sure the coaching staff has been beating in his head since training camp.
0: <laughs> but throw it away. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll have to go through the tape tonight and, and look at those nine sacks. I, I you know, Let's face it, the blocking was not good today, Larry. Yeah, he I mean, you wasn't. saw, I mean, the safe, you know, there were a couple, one play he couldn't even get off a handoff to Michael Carter almost got lost. But, uh, you know, but he did, I think, maybe two or three of those sacks. He held the ball too long on. he's good for some, I mean, look, the Bills are a really good defense. You know, ironically, they run the same defensive system as the Jets. And it is that same cover three, cover four type defense uh, that Zach has seen a lot. All training camp. It's the same exact system, and the Bills just run it a lot better than the Jets do. They have better players, and they don't even have, uh, you know, the corner um, what's his name? The, the LSU kid, the Latavius the is uh, White. White. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they don't even have him. So, you know, they have two really good safeties, and that's what the Jets need. The Jets just need better safety play. Their safety ba- play was atrocious this year after Marcus May got hurt, and that's, that's something they're going to for in free agency because there's some good safeties in free agency and I could see them even drafting this Notre Dame kid Kyle Hamilton uh, with one of those first two picks.
2: Last thing Rich, give me your uh, review on Robert Sala X's and O's wise and do you think that he's going to be a guy that if you remember Todd Bowles Todd Bowles made a number of, subst- of, of changes in his position coaching after the first year. Uh, do you see Sala doing that as well? What are your thoughts on him?
0: Yeah, there's always a couple I, I think his coordinators are gonna stay. Uh, I I think you know, um you know, I think LaFleur is certainly gonna stay. Ulbrich, look, they finished dead last in both categories of defense. Uh would it would it surprise me if they change Ulbrich? No. Um, you know, Vic Fangio is out there. He was fired today by Denver. I know he's got a relationship with Sala. Um, they like each other. I think Fangio is an outstanding defensive coach, and uh, if I were them, I would think think long and hard about doing that. But uh, I don't. Ultimately, I think they'll probably stay status quo on the coordinators. There's always some position coaches that move around a little bit. Uh, they were very, very young on offense this year. Their offensive staff, especially under the the tra- after the tragic death of Greg Knapp, um, it was it was. I mean, it was rookies among the coaching staff with Lafleur and the quarterback's coach. and You know, finally they brought in Matt Cavanaugh. You know, his future is up in the air. I don't know if he'll be back next year. My sense is that John Beck, you know, Wilson's personal coach, will not be back. I know he'll Mm -hmm. be leaving the team now to go back to his private business of teaching quarterbacks. So, which is actually a good thing for the Jets because he'll be able to work with Wilson throughout the offseason then uh, back in California. So, uh, so there'll be some movement on the staff, you know, probably nothing that will make headlines you know the the one you know if I were to be surprised by anything, again, it would be looking at that defensive staff at Ulbrich. but like i said my my money would say that he probably stays
2: I lied. I got one quick thing. do you see a scenario sure. where Sala would start calling plays defensively during games?
0: Yeah, no, I don't think I don't I don't think he'll go there. I mean, there were opportunities to do that this year. Um, I think he really likes being as the CEO type coach, and uh, you know, managing the game. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say he did a fantastic job this year. They only won four games, uh, but I think he did a better job toward the end of the year. They were actually. Competitive in six out of the last seven games, they were within one possession going into the fourth quarter, including today. You know, he played terrific games today for three quarters, mm-hmm. and so that's they made some progress there. Obviously, there were some hiccups along the way. The, the defense just it just took forever this year for them to start even being competitive. That can't happen again. Lafleur had a, a roller coaster year. He got off to a bad start, and I thought he really hit his stride around midseason, and then the last two weeks. They have that gaffe on the quarterback sneak last week against Tampa Bay, which cost them the game. And then today their offense was, was like the worst ever. Mm. 53 yards is a franchise worst. So not a great ending for Lafleur, but he'll be back. And uh, I think Sala, this was a learning experience for him, Larry. I mean, he's admitted the last couple of weeks just how much I think he didn't realize how the depths of the negativity and just how much the culture needed to be changed when he got here. I think it always, every jet coach that takes over, it's always like a slap in the face. They don't realize how deep it runs. And I think he understands that now. And I think he'll have a better handle on it in the second year.
2: Rich, you got, you're going to be a busy man in the next couple of days. We'll be reading you on .com. Thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend.
0: You bet, Larry. Anytime. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the drive with Larry Hardesty podcast. Subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts.